You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since everybody welcome to the ggtmc we are back and yes uh, yes i'm very happy because for the first time in a long time i figured out how to play audio <laughs> while recording the uh podcast which is uh maybe not a big deal for some but man what a headache um so anyway yeah it's been a long long time it has well one of my laptops crashed and uh oh it makes me sound like i'm rich one of my many laptops <laughs> crashed no, the last laptop I used for, uh, I don't know, six or seven years or whatever for the show, it just it crapped out, so I had to get another one, and uh, in the process, you sometimes forget all these setups, and you take for granted all these things you used to know how to do, and, you know, my memory's not any better than it used to be. It's not like it's getting better as I get older, so anyway, neither here nor there. We are back. We can uh, hear uh, live audio, which means I can, like I said, I can play inappropriate noises. Uh, inappropriate music, <laughs> things like that. Just for just for me and well, just for me and Todd today, because this is just me and Todd today. Will is he's out. He's at a uh, you know a conference for uh, mustache rides. He's a <laughs> keynote speaker there. It's, yeah, it takes a steady hand. <laughs> it does. It does, and a steady hip. You know. Yes. <laughs> hips and lips. Yeah, hips and lips. You know, don't sink ships. That's Will's not going to sink a ship. So. New. Yeah, those lips aren't Hopefully. loose. I don't think they're loose. I don't know. <laughs> we'll discuss that with him when he gets back. Things may have changed <laughs> since the speech. But uh, he will be back uh, next week, and uh, we'll get on uh, some stuff there. But this week, Todd and I here, we're going to talk about uh, two very interesting films. Uh, to say the least, we've been wanting to talk about, uh, or at least I have, we've been wanting to talk about uh, Female Trouble from John Waters for uh, a few weeks now, but probably about a month now. Yeah. And uh, so we're finally going to get that out of the way. So Female Trouble in 1974. That actually got a release from Criterion not too long ago on um, Blu-ray. And uh, which is, you know, that's just the crazy times we live in. But, uh, you know, I think it's warranted on Criterion. We'll get to that more later. And uh, pr- The Private Eyes from 1980. Uh, yes. And that is a selection from the Totter. Uh, which, what I, what I like when Todd picks films, he sometimes picks stuff 
that uh, Will and I will not pick because we, we aren't really prone to picking uh, comedies. I enjoy comedies quite a bit. Will does too, but they are a subjective genre. Uh, you know, it, it, it can be difficult. There's a whole world out there of films, obviously, we don't cover as often. So when he threw that out there, I was like, yeah, man, you, let's do that. Because first of all, I remember seeing the film when I was a kid and I hadn't seen them since then. And second of all, uh, it's fun to do uh, films like that. Sometimes uh, a nice breezy, good old-fashioned uh, semi-genre movie with, of course, Don Knotts and Tim Conway. So Yes. Well, I mean, then it's all in the spirit of Halloween. I mean, both of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much, I'm considering at least partially in the Halloween spirit. They are. They are. A little bit, yes. And uh, there is a very... There is a very um, Important or a key tie to the GGTMC with Private House. We'll get to that when we talk about it. Um, Ooh. But, um, yeah, that's about all we're going to be doing this week. So, it's like I said, it's good to be here. Coffee's warm. Todd's warm. Yeah. We're ready to go. It's very cold outside here where I'm at, so I'm sure the weather's starting to change for folks. Yes, and mustache rides are free. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh so, have you been watching anything? I don't know if uh, I don't know if you have. It's only been a week. We're used to not recording every week. Yeah, right. Oh, Jesus. Um, I caught a, a few things, not much. Um, I caught finally uh, the third part of the decline of Western civilization uh, from Ms. Uh, Penelope Spheris. Oh, and uh, I heard a lot of bad things about this one, but I got to say, I liked it. Uh, I mean, not nearly as much as the first two, but it definitely is interesting to me to see how uh, the whole punk thing both evolved and devolved mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and what happened to the people who, you know, used to be into it. I mean, yeah, they were always kind of poor and kind of living, you know, where they had to live. But, I mean, the the kids in this movie are just kind of, it's sad yeah. um, what's going on with them. Um, but, yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was uh, pretty darn good. It's... Um, yeah, I mean, so, but uh, it does get a little old here in the same, almost the same exact story from a lot of these kids. But at the same time, you're like, you know, that helps you draw the uh, the whole part of the whole point of uh, of what she's going for here. So yeah, no, I I, I would absolutely recommend this, and by I, I would absolutely recommend, excuse me, the uh, Shout Factory uh, box set of the the movies for this. So yeah. 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 Good on it. Uh, caught Eli Roth's death. Death. death can't speak. Uh, death wish, and um, it Ooh. is not a spot on pretty much any of the uh, Charles Bronson movies. Um, it feels a lot more like just a straight up uh, action revenge film. Yeah. Um, it really it, the. Uh, the quote unquote social commentary uh, or what there is of it in here uh, is really kind of uh, struggling uh, and it just feels sort of uh, tacked on just to kind of say that it is this thing. Um, but I mean, it was okay. It, it, it didn't offend me or anything like that. So uh, you could say that much for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the thing with me. I mean, it just felt like. All the reviews I had read and everything else. So, you know, I can take or leave Bruce Willis sometimes. Sure. I do think he's very much a movie star. I don't think he's, you know, yeah. kind of similar. Well, to he, he's, he's as Willis as Willis gets in this one. Yeah. And and Eli Roth, obviously, I, I enjoy most of Eli, Eli Roth's work. But I didn't feel like 
everything I'd seen and everything I'd read, it didn't feel Eli Roth enough for me. I was kind of hoping that it would be like just turned up a little bit more. And sure. maybe for, yeah, for yeah. maybe in that respect, it might become like a new, I don't know, like a new kind of, kind of cult classic in that kind of genre. Well, it's certainly graphic enough. It just yeah, that's what I heard. I heard it was graphic enough, so that kind of drew my attention a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I, I yeah. like I like the idea better when it was I don't know Stallone and Joe Carnahan. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I believe Carnahan is credited with the script here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's Roth behind the camera, and yeah, it just yeah, it just really doesn't feel like what Death Wish is. Yeah, um, and maybe that's because you know, maybe that's because it would be difficult to make a film exactly like Death Wish today, um, because people would be you know crawling out of the woodwork to chastise it for its uh, its moral uh, compass or what have you. Yeah, um, I guess so. that's what I was kind of hoping too. I was kind of hoping it would push some buttons, you know. Yeah, well, kind of like his Green Inferno did, because Green Inferno, Green, oh Jesus, I can't speak today. Green Inferno really pissed a lot of people off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and that, and that uh, you know, I would like to see more of that. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I didn't. I kind of like Green Inferno. I didn't hate it. I never got around uh, to it, but the it's not bad. I mean, it's a cannibal movie. What the, you know? Yeah, the what truth, do people expect from this shit? I know. The truth is, though, I mean, that's what I want from genre movies. I want well, sure. them to to be either here nor there. I don't want them to be middle of the road. I want, yeah, I want them to either piss us off or push some buttons or at least be dead in the water. I mean, I hate I hate when they're dead in the water, but I don't mm-hmm. know. Eli Ross seems like the kind of filmmaker to me who. Who should be more transgressive than he is sometimes? Yeah, 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 yeah. You definitely get the feeling that he's uh, he's either mellowing or getting gun shy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there's that. And then finally, I caught uh, the Gringo, or not? I'm sorry, just Gringo, uh, directed by I believe Nash Edgerton, um, and starring I'm assuming his brother Joel Edgerton, uh, Charlie's there. Correct. Yeah. Uh, What's that? You are correct. They are brothers, yes. There you go. Uh, and Charlotte Copley, uh, David Oyelowo. I'm hoping, <laughs> yeah. Miss, I'm yeah. hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. I, know, I, know. I, never, I don't think I ever pronounce it right either. <laughs> my, my apologies to the man if he's listening. Uh, but um, I thought this was okay. Uh, it, it gets a little – It's it, it runs a little bit long for uh, a film of this sort. It gets a little overcomplicated. Uh, but by and large, I uh, I liked it. I thought it was uh, you know it was pretty funny. Um, it's certainly mean spirited enough, uh, in certain aspects to contrast this, uh, this kind of gormless guy, uh, who just keeps getting fucked by pretty much every single person around him. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was, uh, it was pretty good. Um, it's not, uh, not lighting the world on fire. I don't think it ever, you know, it's not can't, um, uh, but it's uh, for what it is. Looked interesting. Bad, bad poster. Yeah, yeah, not a great poster. Yeah. Um but it you know it's it's really not bad. It's it's a nice light little uh thing to do. Well, it, it I would almost well, I would uh, maybe a step above a laundry folding movie. <laughs> is how I would probably describe it. That's good. I like that, yeah. Yeah. I, I have my That's all I, I have. have my, I have my laundry movies myself, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I didn't watch a whole lot of uh, anything. I I'll, I'll throw in a few things though, a few things that um you know, just for the sake of actually, you know, making a nice little intro, but also for the sake of uh, a few things, I just want to get out there. So I'm I'm late to the party on a lot of things, uh, as always. You know, having two children and everything else, I kind of have to pick and choose my moments. But um, you know, I've been kind of going back and going through the the Marvel TV series from Netflix. Um, 
I don't like to kind of comment on those because I've actually. Sammy. Yeah. There you are. Yeah, there I am. I, I think I lost you for a second, but I'm back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, um, the uh, but I go through those you know series every now and then. Like I said, I'm late to the party, but I've actually enjoyed just about every Netflix series I've watched. The Marvel stuff. Um, they haven't been barn burners, but they've been good. But the one that I've enjoyed the most, oddly, and maybe I don't. And the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because I enjoyed it the most is the Iron Fist one, the first season of the Iron Fist one. Really? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I, I, I think that I think that that uh, that Finn guy gets a little bit more shit than he probably should. But yeah. by that same token, I think that they kind of went a little bit askew of the Danny Rand character that. Well, that uh, you know, the dork like me is familiar with. Sure. Uh, to the point that you know, it it, it kind of was a little bit off-putting. I did like that it it you know, it felt enough like what the comic books were shooting for back in the seventies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it was shooting to cash in on the whole kung fu uh, craze, and you know, yeah. I think that it, it did that in certain parts of it well enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, outside of the you know the casting controversy and all that kind of stuff and everything else, I thought Finn—I can't remember his last name either. Jesus, but I, I thought he—I thought he did fine in the thing, and um, I enjoyed the—I uh, oh, can't remember his name either—the Australian actor who played the heavy in the show and oh uh, yeah yeah uh, David something I believe. I, oh, forgive me, I'm just terrible this morning with names, but uh, it's not Ole Oleolo though, <laughs> or Yo-Yo, or Yo-Yo for short, David Yo-Yo, but the. The truth is, oh, it's funny we say Yo-Yo because uh, Yo-Yo and Ma figures into another film I watched this week. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I don't know if it was the mysticism of the whole thing. Uh, I like the way they portrayed the Iron Fist. I thought they did a real good job with that. You know, I like the TV. I think they can do a lot with these Marvel TV series, and I like that they that they have a... I'm more of a... And, you know, Todd and I are... You know, Todd knows this, and I know this. Todd and I are both comic book guys. Mm-hmm. Um, we've read them probably our whole life and yep. uh, i'm sure we're very familiar both of us with luke cage and 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 uh, you know the iron fist danny rand and all this stuff and the defenders and daredevil and i'm sure we could have long drawn out conversations and even have a whole other podcast probably uh yeah probably about those things uh i didn't i i, I gotta say i never really related to the jessica jones one as much but that's more of a newer thing i grew up with I grew up with uh, Luke Cage and, and Iron Fist, right? And Daredevil mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. Daredevil is still one of my favorite characters of all time. So I grew up with those, but uh, but I, but I still like the shows and I like the mythology they're creating there at uh, at uh, and Netflix. Again, I know I'm late to the party, but uh, I like what they do with uh, their shows and I like that they're you know grown up and you know my son always wants to watch them. I'm like yeah yeah you know you're not quite ready for that. Yeah. So I wanted to mention. Well, the- oh, go ahead, Todd. The only th- the only thing that I have a problem with across the board uh, on their shows is that they they really do not need to be the length that they are. Mm-hmm. They really tend to spin their wheels. So me and you totally agree on that. First of all, they probably need to be about eight episodes a season. Yep, and uh, they could get a lot done in those eight episodes. Uh, I think all of them are pretty much uh, anywhere from ten to thirteen episodes. And man, mm-hmm. and they're long episodes. They're hour long episodes, a lot of them. So it's very strange their 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 model because sometimes you'll get a forty two minute episode, and then sometimes you get like six fifty nine minute episodes in a row. So it's very weird. Like there's no because it's a streaming service, right? There's no real, I guess, logic to how they design the show. But anyway, neither here nor there. But we are in agreement with that. There, every every season I have watched, I have felt like there's at least three or four episodes of filler. Mm-hmm. That absolutely, I, that I could do without. 
And and you almost kind of know when that episode's there. Like you're watching it, and you're like, yeah, this is one that they could have skipped. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> There's nothing here for me. But anyway, it was interesting that I enjoyed that one. I don't know what it says about me uh, that I enjoyed the one everybody else disliked. But uh, hey, you know, yeah, beggars can't be choosers. I'll move on. Yeah, I, I mean, if I was going to rank them, I'd probably say Daredevil, Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist, and Jessica. Well, no, I'd probably say Jessica Jones and then Iron Fist. So yeah, this would be my least favorite, but I still didn't hate it. I didn't, yeah. you know, I don't hate any of them. Defenders was probably the weakest of the of the bunch. Yeah, that's where I'm on to um, next. Uh, the Punisher. Did you watch that one? Oh yeah, there was that one too. Eh, eh it was okay. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, is that that's the thing, right? I mean, you know. I think for me it would be oh yeah Luke Cage season one, or actually it'd be Daredevil Daredevil because I did like Daredevil the most, then Luke Cage then Iron Fist then Jessica Jones. Okay. Um, but uh, I haven't like I said I haven't watched Defenders yet or or the Punisher. I'm trying to watch them in order, trying to stay in yeah. order. So you know. Well, I'm I only a- just started the second seasons. Oh, okay. And I think uh, I think the new Daredevil comes out next week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why I'm kind of trying to hustle because I want to get back because I actually yeah. enjoy the Daredevil show and I kind of want to get back to it because I love the Daredevil character so much. Yeah, yeah, and it's tough catching up on that much uh, watching when you're that far behind. Yep, it really is. So I got the Defenders to go, and then I got uh, Jesus. I guess I got uh, seasons two of almost everything else. Huh? Uh, yeah. yeah. I'll be behind for a while, but hey, it is what it is. At least it'll be there. Still got Netflix, yeah. Yeah, That's right. Uh, So to bleed into that, I'm actually a uh, DC Universe subscriber. Uh, Yes, yeah. Streaming service and stuff. But what I like about it is it's got a whole bunch of comics on it. Yep. I've went back and read all uh, like 13 or 14 issues of the Alan Moore, uh, Steve Bissett, uh, Swamp Thing, and Mm -hmm. I've downloaded some other stuff off of there. New Gods, which I always liked. I always was a. I always was a, a, a mark. For Jack Kirby's New Gods, I don't know why, but yeah. I always was. I, I love that well, whole mythology. That Mark uh, Mark Evanier, uh, what was it? Who was it? Paris Collins, I think, series from the '80s. I dug a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was really good. Uh, that and the um, uh, the Mister Miracle series from back then. Yeah, yeah. That, that I think was uh, Demetrius. I want to say I'm I, not 100 percent sure on that. I believe you're right. I'm not gonna, uh, with Ian, Ian Gibson uh, drawn. I'm not, not going to throw my card down and say you're completely correct. But I, think, I believe you're right. <laughs> I've actually been yeah, doing, yeah. I've been enjoying the the newer Mr. Miracle stuff. I always like Mr. Oh, Miracle though. Th- have you been reading the new miniseries? Yes, I have. Oh my god, has that been fucking phenomenal? Uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. It's real good. And so I've always kind of liked that world and stuff. Anyway, just the, the DC universe gives me access to a lot of that stuff. I guess there's a uh, I don't know, 3 or 4 or 500 old books on there and then of course there's yeah. TV series and stuff. It's not it's very new, so it's uh, you know, and like most new streaming services, kind of bare bones pick through and stuff like that. But Titans premiered this weekend, yep. and I watched Titans. And of course, yep. I'm sure people don't have to be a subscriber to see the show. I'm sure they can see it any other way. So I watched that first episode, and that was interesting. I mean, they really are taking the the dark road, to say the least. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> and uh, it could be fun. I don't know. I mean, the first episode. Good. I mean, the Starfire character is very well realized. I really enjoy that. Yeah, I like what they what they're trying out with her. Yeah, uh, I, I, I dig on that. Yeah, yeah. And then of course, uh, I'm, I would be really, really interested to see the next episode with Hawk and Dove. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, I'm very excited about that. Then this is unlike a lot of streaming services. They're going to do a weekly thing. They're not putting it all out at once. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll we'll see. But yeah, Hawk and Dove are going to be really interesting in the show because they they are clearly wearing their Hawk and Dove costumes. Yes, and it almost feels out of place on this this vibe they're going for. <laughs> On, yeah, on the show, especially the uh, the Dove character, because 
You know, it's very bright and colorful. I don't know, very strange. But I am excited that, you know, that we live in a time where we can see these uh, B or even C-list characters kind of come to life. I know some people might think it might dilute the water a little bit, but to me it doesn't. It, it kind of, or dilute it with water. It. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just, I don't know. I like, I, I've always, I've, you know, even as a kid, I always enjoyed the the more B character, you know. I was a huge yep. Blade fan, and then when Blade came out, I was super pumped. Everybody thought I was insane. Yeah, and then when everybody well, liked Blade, they were like, "Whoa, man! How'd you know about Blade?" I'm like, "Well, you know, yeah, kind of goes way back." <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like Adam Warlock's one of my favorites. Jack of Hearts, I love. Yeah, uh, you know, all those kind of guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always loved those characters because uh, some of them, some of them, just because of the strangeness of them, right? I mean, yep, the elongated yep. like man, Detective and, Chimp. yeah, Detective Chimp, you know, the Multiple Which, Man, all kinds of strange characters out yeah, there, right? Yeah, and uh, this characters nobody ever talks about. I mean, we could talk about Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman and you know Spider Man and all these 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 A list characters we could talk about them for years you know and God knows if you're a comic book reader you have your you have your choice of Batman books Spider Man books <laughs> Superman books uh, Jesus every derivative or every kind of thing you can take with uh, those you can get but it's fun like Todd just mentioned a while ago it's fun to see really good series like uh, you know Miracle you know Miracle Man things like that come out and mm-hmm. and uh, go back and see those characters anyway. What I wouldn't do for a New Gods movie or a New Gods TV show. That would be... Oh, that'd be great. That would be awesome. I know the DC, Although, DC Universe is going to have a Swamp Thing show, which I'm super pumped about. So. Yep, yep. And uh, I think they're doing Doom Patrol, too, on yep, uh, on DC Universe, yeah. yeah. So these are these are the things that I want. This is what I've wanted for a long time is you know things yep. like Doom Patrol, things like Teen Titans. These are the things I grew up with and was really pushing on people back when I was the DC kid and everybody was the Marvel kid. <laughs> and everybody's like, what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> and maybe you know they can revisit some characters that didn't have the quite the oomph that they had that they should have had in movies like green lantern and stuff like that which would really make me happy because uh you know i always felt like you know well green, I, you know just for full disclosure green lantern is like my my favorite hero of all time oh okay and, and uh, i just always wait, loved wait, the, wait which one the hal jordan or? oh yeah yeah hal jordan the one i grew okay. up with hal jordan yeah i, I like okay. all the, i like all the uh iterations of the green lantern though I, I love the green lantern core i love the whole mythology of the green lantern yeah and the lanterns yeah, yeah. and everything i love all that stuff and uh obviously the movie was because i'm a fan the movie was fine yeah. but well uh, you know one you know grant, grant morrison's gonna be writing the, the book know, soon i do know this <laughs> oh i can't wait and i'm super excited about it because uh it's good to see a name like his attached to the character yeah and, and liam sharp great artist mm-hmm. see what he can do with it um i love it when you know uber talents in the comic book world kind of go back and revisit uh a character that uh you know has kind of fallen by the wayside which i feel like you know the green lantern has mm-hmm. anyway that's neither here nor there that's all that but i did watch one film i actually watched it last night uh when i was actually texting you or messaging you about what time to start i was watching won't you be my neighbor by uh the documentary about uh, fred rogers okay mr rogers and uh this is about what you would expect it's basically a uh you know how fred got started you know, um, where he started when he was young, um, where he came from. It kind of debunks a bunch of the myths, like he was a Navy SEAL or a, <laughs> all these kind of things and stuff. I'm not going to tell you whether he was or not. I'll let you watch the film to see that in case some of you are really looking forward to finding out what, what happened there because there's a lot of uh, urban myths with uh, Fred Rogers. But uh, I did find it's very middle of the road in a lot of ways and exactly what I would expect as far as a, a documentary piece. Mm-hmm. Um 
I, I do wish they would have gotten more into so there's at one, one point in the film they get to a point where fred went away and he was doing shows about adults and adults with talent and he got away from the mr rogers neighborhood for a while he felt like he'd done everything there was to do on child development and in that process along those lines in the 80s a, bu- a bunch of critics came along and said you know the mr rogers generation is a narcissistic and worthless generation because he made everybody feel special and and nobody, you know, nobody worked hard. They just thought it was the, it was the entitlement generation, basically. Um, okay. Which really, more like the '90s, I think, more than the '80s. But anyway, and that stuff was interesting, and I really wish they would have went deeper into that. And you know, Mister Rogers, Fred, uh, I feel like I can call him Fred. He uh, <laughs> he was uh, very perturbed by that and came back. And but what I found was interesting, and I really wish they would have gotten more into, is there was a lot of pranking going on when they were recording when they were making the show, like. A lot of times, extras would hide in the closet and scare him, or uh, they would take pictures of their ass when he would bring his camera to work. <laughs> just stuff like that, you know, just to show that. And that's the stuff I wanted to see because I wanted to see him as a human being. And he actually was very, even though he was very uh, Christian and he's Presbyterian, a very Christian man. Uh, he, you know, he he got the joke. He had fun, um, and I thought that was really interesting because that's not the Fred Rogers you know. The Fred Rogers we know is very much the impression you see, and and even the caricatures you see, and. And he was very straight and narrow, but it's good to see the kind of humanity come out every now and then. It was kind of good to see. And you know what? It's hard to say anything negative about the guy <laughs> because uh, he really just, you know, I, I don't, I, I never, nowadays, I think this generation would see him as like a creepy old man, like almost like a pedophile type figure. Um, some people would probably see him as that on first glance and stuff, but he really was just a soft, gentle soul who really cared about, uh, kids development you know and uh well, god bless him for that i mean he, he tried really hard and he worked really hard and made it his life goal to to help kids yeah absolutely and i had forgotten that he did a whole week of shows on superheroes and how how destructive they can be to kids egos and things because there was a whole bunch of kids back when we were kids jumping off of roofs trying to be superman and stuff after the donner film came out yeah uh, yeah yeah and uh, he went back and did a whole thing and and it was crazy to me. And he kind of basically kind of shit on superheroes, saying they were bad for kids and stuff. Now, I don't necessarily agree, obviously, because I grew up with superheroes, but... Almost worth the mask. <laughs> yeah. But it was very it was very interesting that he... Uh, I'd forgotten that he did that, so... And he always tackled uncomfortable subjects, you know, divorce, death. And he, and he, well, he was... I mean, I mean, as much as he was, you know... As much as he had that sort of goody two shoes thing going on, I mean, he was trying to, like you said, he was, a, you know, a child's development involves more than just being, you know, this rose-colored glasses view of the world. I mean, you yeah. have to, you have to have some sort of uh, preparation for the things in life that are a little bit unpleasant, right? Yep. And I think that he was smart enough to um, take stuff like that on, and yep. you know, try to do something positive, uh, you know, to 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 pretty much fulfill his mission though yeah. you know his statement i often wonder what he would think now of the video game culture oh jesus i don't and, even yeah i mean he was, I, I, he was around for a little say. bit of it yeah he's around for a little bit of it but i wonder what he would think of it now so it's interesting to me uh either way um you know neither here nor there raise your kids how you want to raise them that's your choice yeah. but go nuts yeah <laughs> go crazy have fun yeah <laughs> have fun there's hey, one, yeah if there's one thing i can't stand it's when somebody tells me what I should do with my kids. Nope. <laughs> I'll put you in a headlock and make you watch Hawk and Dove cartoons. <laughs> you fucker. 
<laughs> no. Uh, but no, it's a, it's a good documentary, but not a great one. I was kind of hoping for a great one. I think there's another one out there uh, that's coming out at some point about him that might be a little bit of a different take. But anyway, neither here nor there. All right, so that is all we have watched this week. We are going to take a short break and a comeback, and I guess we'll talk uh, female trouble first. We'll go chronological. It's 1974, so uh, that's where we'll be. We'll be back right after this. American Dream He's just a common man the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. I'm coming to you live and in living color. Speak to you, the American people. A podcast called Silver Gold Daddy. You know that the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, knows how to bring home the gold, Daddy. And just like Henry Silver. Sticking Barbara Boucher's head inside a sow hanging from the ceiling. Silver and gold will stick it to you. Stick it to your ears. Stick it to your mouth, your eyes, your nose, daddy. And all points in between, they'll take your listening pleasure and stick it between a sow's caucus hanging from the ceiling, daddy. Silver and gold, we talk about movies and sh. Find us on iTunes or silverandgold.com. We should say the uh, oh man that break cut off quick. We should say I am quite rusty when it comes to playing the breaks live. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before we came back, we actually played the wrong break. Uh, so that that was fun. Uh, yep. Well, uh, don't let the Curtis know. An eye opener to remind myself to uh, <laughs> label them correctly uh, whenever I uh, do it this way. Anyway, neither here nor there. I guess I don't think I'll say that a hundred times this week because that seems to be the <laughs> as is always the case with me. I find something I like to say and I just keep saying it. So, anyway, I'm not going to say it this time. <laughs> uh, Female Trouble, 1974. This is an NC-17 film, which is uh, interesting to me. I guess because there's a penis in it. Uh, I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, and some simulated sex with a penis showing. Yep. Uh, a limp penis, last I recalled. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, if, I'm disgusted too. If I'm going to see a penis, I want to see an erect one. You know. Yeah, right? <laughs> I need to see the veins got to stand out, man. Yeah. I, it has to look like they're getting ready to give blood. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, this is uh, part of John uh, Waters' early uh, career in filmmaking, and uh, it's you know very very uh, 
transgressive at the time and really in a lot of ways still uh, it'll, uh, it holds up in some ways, I think. So we'll get into it. Uh, basic plot synopsis. A spoiled schoolgirl runs away from home, gets pregnant while hitchhiking, ends up as a fashion model for a pair of beauticians who like to photograph women committing crimes. Man, there could not be a more John Waters-esque synopsis <laughs> than that. I mean, it just sounds like literally something he would sit around a table and say, I got an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for the for the record, I'm a huge John Waters fan. Uh, I don't even know if we've ever really covered any John Waters films on the show. I know we've talked to him about him several times, um, but uh, this is an opportunity to talk about one of his uh, films. So let's get into it, Todd. What you got? Alrighty. Um, well, as the film opens, and as you heard that uh, lovely little song from his Divine, yes. uh, <laughs> it really. I mean, it, it it immediately feels like a porno. Um, it does. It does, and 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 you know, I think that that's what Waters goes for because he loves that. He he loves that sort of uh, that sort of grit, that grime, uh, sleaze, scuzziness. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to kind of flaunt it in your face. So to have him design it this way, yeah. uh, I think he really, loves he loves everything that even though he loved Hollywood movies, he'll be the first one to tell you that he loved the glorious and glamorous Hollywood films. There's a lot of films he loves, yeah, but I'm, uh, but I'm, I'm sure he would also tell you, especially after seeing this, that he loved, you know, something like bad girls go to hell. Oh, sure, know? sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he is like the prototype GGTMC type fan, right? He's the class, oh, yeah. class and the trash kind of guy. But I think his favorite genre was all as a genre he basically made up, which is essentially kind of what me and Will have always kind of talked about on this is almost like these, these runaway uh, glamour projects that big stars make. Uh, he mentioned uh, in one f- commentary track I listened to, it might have been this film, might have been another film, uh, some Elizabeth Taylor film I had never heard of. And he said it was some type of glamour project she made stuff, and the film's god-awful, but of course he was the only person he knew who liked it. And when I heard was him it, say was that... Was it by any chance Butterfield 8? No, it wasn't that. Oh. <laughs> that does have its fans. I'll, I'll try to look and see what it is. But... Uh, that that is those are the kind of conversations that me you and will would have right i mean you know we'd, mm-hmm. we'd probably throw out some random i don't know film from some actor and people would be like well, what the hell but john waters strikes me as you know he was like a, a mo- he was like scorsese in a lot of ways a movie geek of of some stature even though he didn't have the internet and all these resources, and he would go to the movies all the time and everything and in a lot of ways i think his films are very much more american like, uh, well, not like Scorsese, but I think what I've always liked about his films is they film much more Americana than the films that were being made at the time. Cause, well, yeah, because he loves that he loves that sort of kitsch, yeah, uh, thing yeah. that that kind of really um, almost defines uh, Americana, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he really can take the stuff he grew up on and really show you kind of the way the way he looks, sees the world, and stuff. So, mm-hmm. all right, sorry. I'll let you go ahead. No, 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 no problem. <laughs> uh, now I got a, uh, I have a, a note here. I'm not a hundred percent sure what the hell I meant by it. Um, because it's been a while, but I wrote Mr. Weinberger is the most specific teacher in the history of cinema. Oh, <laughs> so I can't remember what it was either. I, there, there is a teacher scene that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, right up in, right up in the beginning. Yeah. yeah that is interesting. Uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what the fuck it means, but I, I had to be there for a reason. Um, but you know, it starts off with the with Divine and her her buddies uh, in uh, 
in high school and, you know, Divine really wants them cha-cha heels, right? Yeah. Uh, she makes a big to-do about it, uh, you know, screaming and kicking and yelling. Um, and, you know, she's pretty much – Divine is all tantrum all the time. Um, but, you know, thankfully so is her kid uh, once, she, once she has the kid. Um, and that's really kind of, you know, that's really kind of – if you haven't been introduced to Divine yet – um, you know, this is as good a movie as uh, Pink Flamingos, uh, at least in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, to me, for me personally, mm-hmm. this is the divine film. Oh yeah, it's much. I like. I personally, me, if I was given the choice between this and, and something like Pink Flamingos, I would pick. I would pick this. Yeah, I would too. I think Pink Flamingos is trying to be transgressive in a different way. I think this. Yes. This he's uh he's found his groove. Well, this one, this yeah, this is this is more uh, structured. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think it's more. Yeah. Um, it has more of a point to it rather yes. than just being you know like throwing shit in your face yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, because kind of the fun thing uh, about John Waters is is you get to see him develop as a filmmaker. If you go back and watch his first films, and then you watch as he goes along, you just see that for me, in a lot of ways, he just got better. Maybe mm-hmm. up to a certain point. Maybe some folks would argue that, but I mean. He certainly learned as he went, and he got a lot better. and And I, I enjoy Pink Flamingos, I really do. But um, I like it okay. Yeah, but the this one feels like more of a completed project. Yes, 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 absolutely, exactly. Um, it really is. You know, this is uh, the classic uh, juvenile delinquent film through yeah. uh, John Waters' filter, right? It's yeah. you know, it's trash, it's perversions, uh, it's straight out of the tradition of folks like. Uh, Doris Wishman, Kroger, Bab, the Finleys, uh, and so on and so forth, yeah. and Russ you know Meyer. all of that. Russ Myers in there a little sure, bit, yeah. sure, all that sure. stuff there. But that's really, I mean, that's what that's what um, kind of really hooked me was when I realized that that's what he was doing. It wasn't just going to be like Pink Flamingos because I had not seen this before, by the way. Oh, really? Um, really? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, no. This was a this was a first time watch for me. Oh nice. I've seen very. I've seen actually for as much as I like the guy, uh, I've seen very little of his work. Nice. Uh, so, but yeah, no, I, I dug this a, a good deal. I'm almost envious of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as as an aside, I, I did cut my toenails while watching this, and I think that uh, Waters and his pals would really appreciate that. If if it would have fallen, um, if it would have fallen inside of somebody's navel, and you would have had yes. a close up of you digging it out with some lint. Yes, absolutely, Talk. and then and it just like sucked on it for a while. Yeah, either, suck, I can see that. either sucked on it or sniffed it. Either way. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> that is a John, uh, that is a John Waters uh, type thing, right? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He always uh, what I've always often said is uh, John. The difference between John Waters and most other filmmakers is some filmmakers will shoot the midriff of an actress or an actor. John Waters will really get in there and and get into the grime of the belly button or the uh, the dirt between the folds of flesh if you're a little heavy. Oh yeah, and I think I, I might have a, a um, <laughs> I might have a. a a little bit of a, a note about that a little bit later on. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Anyway, you get the, you get that go-go bar shimmying, uh, <laughs> which is just uh, it's classic. I mean, I mean, um, how impressive in a lot of ways if you think about this whole movie. How impressive is Divine in the movie? I mean, here's a here's a you know he's a young man at this point, mm-hmm. um, uh, and Divine was something very special. I don't think the mo- I don't think movies have ever had anything like a Divine before or since. Uh, yeah, not quite. I no. mean, uh, there's there there was, media media has come close with uh, guys like RuPaul, but that's you know. yeah, but nothing like Divine. I mean, Divine didn't even you know I, what I love about Divine was here's an actor who it's it's it 
that you know there was no shame in in the weight. There was no. no shame in any of that stuff, and that, that, this no, is this also is, what it's I as say. body it's as body positive as you can get yep. while just you know owning every single disgusting thing that uh, that she did. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I, wait, okay. So do should I? Do, uh, no, never mind. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I, I keep saying she, and I'm like, am, am I supposed to call her? She? Am I well, supposed to call it she or him? She or her, him? Her? Or her? For, for the the sake of the movie star, I think that uh, he liked to be called uh, Divine. But right. I don't believe that Divine himself was, uh, you know, uh, he was very different than the character he portrayed on screen. Not very different, but he was certainly not the kind of guy in drag that he portrayed on screen. Now, I never really, I, I don't know enough about him to know this for sure. I, I don't know if he was actually a homosexual or not. I believe Waters did actually comment on the, on in, uh, in the film, This is Divine, mm-hmm. the documentary, and said that he was not, if I'm not, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. So that might be the case. Of course, I didn't know, uh, and I didn't know for years if because John Waters never said if he was blatantly homosexual or not for years. I mean, he never just he never mentioned it. I do know yeah. now that he is, but I, I did not know that for many years because he never said it. Well, and, I figured that one out when he was on The Simpsons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I mean, he had always kind of left clues laying around and stuff. But oh, I don't yeah. Think, I don't think for him it was ever a a point, you know. But I. I I think that Divine, from what I understand, was you know, like I said, when he was when he was on screen or doing interviews and stuff, he liked to be called Miss Divine. But okay, but when he was uh, not working, he was just uh, the person he was. But they still called him Divine because that was his okay. name. And well, then uh, I'll, so. I'll refer to her as him and, or him as her in this one. Yeah, yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah it's something. Yeah, so that, that Liz Taylor film that uh, John Waters loves so much is called Boom. Boom! Jesus, never. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of that. 1968. Boom! With an exclamation mark. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, <laughs> there you go. When I heard he mentioned that, I was like, "What? The, why, why have I never heard of that?" <laughs> yeah, right. It's one of those. Uh, I'm sure there's plentiful reasons. Um, yeah. So you, we get uh, we get Edith Massey's intro, and it is uh, mm. special mm. Yes. Um, <laughs> because she is she's another one that was laying it all very bare. Um, <laughs> Yeah. In this one, uh, yeah, I think and she I, actually, you know, immediately when I saw her, I, I thought of you. Yeah, <laughs> don't ask. She, don't she, ask me why. She got her. Uh, she got her tatas out in this one. Yeah. I think, you know? <laughs> Which oddly, she uh, she never really did. I think she was, believe it or not, <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, uh, she was <laughs> very self conscious. Tatas, and I don't know how long. Yeah. Some tatas. <laughs> uh, she she was uh, she was she was a little self conscious about her body, and she. Uh, never really liked to do stuff like that, but John, uh, from what I understand, she would do anything for John Waters. Talked her into it. Yep. And those choppers, though, of hers, yeah, is really you know it's kind of like a signature. Besides that voice, that like kind of yep. nails on the chalkboard. Uh, well, voice that she had. Yeah, that and the the so the one of the things I've realized going back and looking at old John Waters movies is I never really paid much attention to the Baltimore accent before. Oh yeah. But if you go back and watch these old films, you really hear it. And Edith Massey's one, uh David Lockery's another one. He's the one with the uh, blonde hair and the crazy mustache. Yep. Uh obviously Divine it comes out every now and then in some of the things Divine says. Um but Edith Massey's the one that always draws my attention the most where I realize wow, people are from that are born and raised in Baltimore do speak slightly differently than obviously, you know, people from Philadelphia or people from New yep. York and people yep. from Kentucky and blah blah blah. But I never really noticed it before until I kind of watched like two or three of these films in a row. And I was like, ah, because I, 
Because I just in the last few months, I've kind of went back because Criterion's put this one out and Multiple Maniacs out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've watched those two, and I've also watched uh, one other of the older films. I can't remember which one it was. And uh, by going back and watching two or three of them in a row, <laughs> you uh, you really start to hear it. Uh, <laughs> and it's very interesting to me. But yeah, Tatas, they were out. <laughs> yes, they were. Uh, <laughs> anyway. She's a, uh, she's a so, lot of fun in the movie, Edith. Is. She's fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody really is, I think. Um, and But I love the way that Waters, you know, and it, like we were saying about how you kind of started to see his progression here. Uh, I love the way that he uses his handheld uh, montages, you know, that's like prancing and goofing and vamping. Uh, and they're really kind of like mini Benny Hill skits uh, for the uh, the trash set. Um, so I really kind of, you know, it, it kind of draws, well, it drew attention to itself for me. Uh, just, you know, kind of noticing that uh, that he was developing a bit more in this in this film. Yep. Uh, because Waters films, you know, they're kind of like trauma before trauma, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and, and certainly, I think, a little more authentic feeling than trauma. Yeah. Uh, if that, if, uh, if I could say that. Yeah. 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 Trauma, um, trauma almost feels like it's, it's aping waters and taking it one step further. Sure. Sure. Or, or at least attempting to do that. I should say. Yeah. Cause I don't think well, they're, they, mu- they're, they're much more self-conscious about the, the kind of putting on a show aspect to it. Right. Right. I think trauma is. Yes. Um, but, um, and if Will was here, he would tell you that's what he doesn't like about trauma is that they kind of, it's very in your face on purpose. <laughs> Yes. Whereas yep. John, I don't think John Waters, I mean, he is trying to be in your face, but he, he, I don't know. It's a, it's a very, there's a very thin line. Yeah. That he, yeah, he it's a very between, fine. Yeah. Between comedy, bad taste and transgression that he does, that it's really hard to, for any other filmmaker that I can think of that to do as well as he does it. Yes, absolutely. I would agree with that a hundred percent. And I think that's what makes him such a unique filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, in this one, Mink Stoll as Taffy, the daughter, I think she absolutely steals the show yes. even more than Divine. She yeah. might outdo Divine in this yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. she's because uh, I thought she was fan fucking tastic in here. Yeah, she is a lot of fun in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. All the um, all the characters in the film I love. A Donald Dasher character. That's the David Lockery yep. actor. He's he's great. Uh, yeah, Taffy's great. Uh, the Donna Dasher character, actually the wife, she's great. Yep. Yeah. I mean, well, that's Mink Stoll. Or no, that wasn't Mink Stoll. That was. Um, that's the, oh, uh, the husband wife. The husband wife beauticians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to think of who played uh, Don. Uh, or Donna. Donna was Mary Vivian Pierce. Okay. Okay. So, Got it. But yeah, they they they're a lot of fun, and a lot of these actors uh, are in almost all Waters films. I think uh, Lockery died pretty young, though. I don't think he made anything after this. Maybe he did, but I don't think he did. Okay. Um. <laughs> And I think that, uh, you know, I think at least a, to some slight degree, I think that uh, Waters has something to say here because he goes into this whole thing about, you know, the Dashers get off on kind of slumming and wallowing in the lower classes, misery, uh, while by that same token, Don Davenport, you know, is just thrilled to play along uh, for a shot at fame. Yeah. Uh, and that's really the heart of the movie. Um, so, yeah, this thing's know, way ahead of its time, right? Oh my God! Yeah, because it's it's you know it it it's it's giving you, it's giving you the goods while it's saying something about the people who are giving you the goods, yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, and I think that yeah, no, I I think that that really was key, um, 
to my enjoyment of the film overall, or I should say not my enjoyment of the, the film overall, because I do think it's enjoyable on its own merits, on its face value, mm-hmm. uh, but to its um, – uh oh shit lost my train of thought um <laughs> anyway well my valuing of the film yes yes uh, i mean that's what I meant. so at the time uh, at the time i think when so i know a little bit about the the this kind of story behind this film at the time waters was going to california he was sitting in on the manson trial and yeah, uh yeah. he interviewed uh tex watson i believe it's his name uh, the, one of the manson guys uh, I forgive me because I've, I've been I'm a little rusty on my Manson history. Even though I, I do find that, like a lot of people, I find that whole era of Hollywood completely and utterly fascinating. Um, I guess Tarantino does too because that's what he's doing next. Um, either way, uh, he was involved in a lot of that stuff. He's always been uh, interested in the criminal element of humanity, and I think that because of that, he was maybe one of the first people to kind of admit that. And it kind of came through in his work. And uh, I find it fascinating to go back and look at this and see how far ahead he was of kind of the comments on, on what we would beco- what would become entertainment for us as a society. Um, basically, you know, people kind of lambasted him sometimes. Some critics did about the trash of his, the trashiness of his films. When you look at a lot of modern entertainment uh, and this is no, this is no revelation for me. Uh, there's a lot of trashiness out there now that even he would admit nowadays, like he would never even go that far. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we've come to accept it as normal. I mean, you got, you got, you know, whole, you know, uh, families of people making reality TV shows and getting stinking rich off of these things and basically just airing their dirty laundry every week. And it's just like, you know, what the hell's what the hell's happened? You know, and he, he kind of saw it. I guess he kind of maybe he didn't mean to kind of like uh, George Romero and Dawn of the Dead. Maybe he didn't mean to, but uh, he certainly saw something. Our fascination with serial killers, things like that. I mean, uh, there, there's all that stuff. I just got a message from Todd here. <laughs> uh, all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah, forgive me while while I look at your message here. Right. You go ahead and start. Uh, some so words. yeah, no, I was just going to say uh, I cannot imagine the level of energy needed daily to perform in this film. Uh, pretty much for everybody, um, is either that it's either just natural energy or uh, a lot, a lot of cocaine, um, because this thing is just an absolute nonstop uh, orgy of insanity from start to finish. Yeah, and, yeah, um, and yes, I can do that. By the way, okay. So the. Uh, uh, let me let me just kind of go into a couple of things that uh, that I do find completely fascinating about the movie. Um, the the fact that he's able to criticize um, society uh, comedically, which I think is something only a, a, a handful of filmmakers have ever been able to do. The fact that he made this movie for twenty five grand, which is insane to me. Um, now that is 1970, probably two or three money, but still, I mean, this movie looks, it looks like it looks, but I mean, it looks a lot better than, than 25 grand. I'll say that much, excuse me. And some of the stuff he's able to get his actors to do. I don't know how he's able to do that. I don't know how he gets people to do stuff. Of course, the infamous stories of, uh, divine and pink flamingos and, and some of the other things he's made people do over the years, insane to me, but I think it's a trust thing. And I think he feels that same way with his audience. 
I think unlike any filmmaker, or maybe unlike just a few filmmakers, the, there's very few filmmakers I think <coughs> that can that can <coughs> that will no problem that will trust their audience to come along on the ride with him. It's the same thing with his actors. It's like you know, if you're in the John Waters troupe. And if you're a fan of John Waters films, you feel like you're part of some type of exclusive club because mm -hmm. you're kind of willing to go along with whatever he does. And I, that's what I've always kind of found fascinating about his work. And again, it goes all the way to the last film he made, uh, which I think he made some kind of, I know. <laughs> well, I know, he makes you feel like you're in on it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he was making these films all the way to the end. I think 2004 was his last proper film, A Dirty Shame. And even though a lot of people didn't care for it, I thought it was quintessential John Waters, like it took every sexual innuendo that you're not supposed to talk about. And he just kind of blasted it all out there. Uh, and I even learned about some sexual fetishes that I had no idea about, uh, <laughs> including hemorrhoid fascination and all kinds of things that only he would, uh, it seems to me like only John Waters would turn the American people onto this. And I think there's some value to that because some see it as tastelessness or, or maybe, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you would call it, but I, I think that hiding behind a facade is what John Waters was always trying to blow up. I think he was always trying to blow up proper society and all the things that they would hide behind but, and basically show you what's actually behind the closed door. What's mm -hmm. actually, what, what families are really like, what uh, people are really like with well, the pathos that people really go through either in getting kind of, kind of dealing with their homosexuality or dealing with their oddness or all these things. Because like, you know, like I said, he, he was an odd character. He, 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 he was a hippie. He would say he was a hippie because he was into drugs and he had long hair. And if you see old pictures of him and stuff, it's pretty fucked up to see John Waters. He had this long hair and he seemed like this, he seemed like the quote unquote white trash that he would portray in movies. And he was really into serial killers and nobody was. And, uh, you know, he was, just, he just felt like an outsider his whole life. And his films feel like that. His films feel like outsider films. And, uh, but he's trying to, in almost a familial way, he's trying to bring you into his world. And there, that's the most, I think when I go back and look at his films, the most bizarre part for me is he's being very transgressive and he's smacking you right in the face. But at the same time, he's like putting his arm around you like, come on, it's okay. It's okay. Yep. Yep. It's okay to kind of come in here and, and hang around with us. We're, we're totally normal. <laughs> We're actually more normal than the other people are. We're not lying to you. <laughs> and I think that's what I've always kind of liked about his films. So, yeah, I'll let you get back to it. Sorry. All right. Um, Taffy's father, who is also played by Divine, uh, <laughs> yeah. you, get the, you get the nastiest penis insert shot I've seen in a long time. <laughs> uh, it looked cruddy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it looked and it was exactly just, like it. Oh probably, my! It looked exactly probably like it would have been. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe one of the grossest and most realistic rape scenes ever. <laughs> yeah, I cannot, I cannot imagine they put any makeup on that thing at all, because it just is is so grimy and oh, I saw that thing and I was like, yeah, I get it now. Okay, uh, got yep. it, got it. <laughs> that thing was fucking brutal. Um, so there was that. And then, <laughs> and then of course you get uh, you know Divine's trampoline nightclub act, which is which is just insane, hilarious, uh, insane, amazing. It's all those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. Um, the only real quibble that I have with the film on the whole is that I think it is a bit too long. Yeah, 
Um, because like I said, I mean, it is just nonstop insanity from, you know, from start to finish and that could be overwhelming and sort of tiring. Uh, but besides that, um, I think this is a, you know, damn fine little movie. So that's all the notes that I got, man. Yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, as I've gone back and watched it, I'm glad Criterion kind of put out these early John Waters films. Uh, so I saw this on video. I remember seeing the, the box was, uh, quite memorable. Uh, it was a big box and I had Devon with the, the, uh, the crazy makeup and that, uh, that oatmeal makeup, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that highliner. And at one point she, you know, they're, they're, they're so the, the, the Lockery and his wife, the, 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 those characters are so kind of caught up in making Dawn a, a star. They inject him with a liquid eyeliner, which is like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> I don't know what's going on right now. And he's taking pictures and it just gets more and more crazy and there's this, a certain amount of violence that's in the film as well and and then uh there's a uh you know uh rather it's comedic but it's, it's still uncomfortable there's a mass shooting in the film uh-huh. and these are things that I, I don't know how or why he thought of them but they've kind of unfortunately become old hat uh, he's almost competitive. Uh, the 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 Don Davenport character is almost competitive about the amount of people that he that he he or she kills as well, right? Yep. Uh, which is something that serial killers kind of became after a while once they kind of became noticed. And well, I think that he was just very very honest about the innate narcissism of some people. Yeah, right. Um, it's just crazy some of the stuff. Like you said, the the divine character or divine actor Don Davenport, the trampoline stuff. I know he did some training to get that done, but man, he's he's a, he's a pretty big man. He's doing some pretty crazy stuff. Oh uh, uh, yeah, stuff I wouldn't even do on a trampoline. Uh, there's some really good fall down gags too. I mean, like old school, like Chevy Chase, Buster Keaton type fall down gags that Divine does that are really interesting. And it's just I don't know. I mean, he's he's a lot of fun in the movie. There's some gross out moments. There's an umbilical cord chewing, which is gross. Uh, there's obviously the penis. There's the rape scene with the. A close-up of a, a ginormous skid mark on a pair of tidy whities <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe the uh, the most uh, chocolate syrup inspired uh, <laughs> man. That is a, that might be yeah. That's like the generic chocolate syrup. That's yeah. not even Hershey's. Yeah, that is wow. I mean, that is that that's is, that waxy store brand. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a, that magic shell shit. <laughs> man, that's uh, yeah. That is some you know watching it rewatching it in HD. I mean, I forgot. <laughs> Just how long a skid mark that is. If you got a, I mean, you know, I, I'm a human being. I'm not averse to, you know, I realize skid marks are a part of life, but uh, Jesus. <laughs> and then there might, you know, even at the time, I don't think he knew what he was doing as far as, but there is something to be said about uh, divine raping divine. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. There is something to be said about that and popularity and, and what they want and going to these, be- going to the but- beautician and, and and all these things, liquid eyeliner being injected into the arm for glamour, and I mean, there's just a lot of these type of things they're saying. And obviously, Divine's kind of a, a good chunk of the film. They're actually kind of harping on Elizabeth Taylor's look. From what I understand, Divine was really fascinated with Elizabeth Taylor was his thing. Like he was totally, completely fascinated with her, and so is John Waters. So that's where I kind of heard about the uh, that Boom film from 1968, which I, I have to check out now because evidently it was based on a Tennessee Williams play. So I don't know. I, I never heard of it. So. Whatever, no, me but evidently they they loved it and they loved anything Elizabeth uh, Taylor did, which I did not. So, you know that's that's a whole other world of fandom that I'm not used to. Um, I, I really like that Criterion's put this and multiple Maniacs out because I think they're very important American films. 
this is an era when you know the 70s were uh, you know we've said it a thousand times on the show you've heard it a thousand times on many podcasts and probably in the media the 70s were a glorious time for unique voices uh, but I don't think anybody really came out of the 70s more unique than John Waters in a lot of ways. Uh, he's one of a handful, I would say, who kind of came. He never gets talked about in the same light as Martin Scorsese. Or Cronenberg. Or Cronenberg or Lucas or Spielberg or Kubrick. Mm-hmm. He never gets talked about in those terms, but I think he's just as relevant as any of those filmmakers that came out during that time. And maybe... In some ways, maybe even more so, because I think he crossed boundaries that those guys never would even would ever even try to. I mean, Kubrick, I guess, was transgressive at least with Clockwork Orange and and things like that. But I tell you that uh, nobody really kind of pushed the boundaries like John Waters films. I would I would say that when I was a kid, I saw John. I think the first film I saw, uh, I want to say Polyester was the first thing I may have seen. Um. Uh, but anyway, I remember watching John Waters films as a kid, and I remember being uncomfortable because I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't, yeah. under, you know, I was young. I just didn't really understand what was going on. As I've gotten to be an older adult and everything else, I totally get it now. Yeah, you have you, you definitely have to have a certain amount of miles on you mm-hmm. um, before you can fully grasp. Uh, Waters, or at least his early films. Yep. Whether or not you like them is a completely different matter. But. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I didn't. And they they kind of scared me a little bit. And then this one in particular, because Divine is, at some points in this film is is grotesque. He's a walking grotesque. And oh god, yeah. And uh, almost like a Frankenstein's monster in some ways. And mm-hmm. uh, really, just something you weren't used to seeing on film in those days. And it uh, kind of scared me a little bit, I'll be honest with you, uh, just c- because it was so different. It was so unique. Not in that way that you go to bed and you have nightmares about, but in that way that it's just like, you know, it makes you totally uncomfortable to be around anybody that is that aggressively different. And yeah. uh, that's the way John Waters' early films were to me. But as a grown man, going back and looking at these, I see these multiple maniacs, pick flamingos, female trouble, a desperate living polyester, that run right there. That's one of the better runs in film history. I mean, it really is. If you go back and look at it, I'd, dollars to donuts, I'd put him up against anybody with that run. And some would say Mondo Trasho and things like that. That's one of his earlier ones. But I, I would definitely, for me, it starts right at Multiple Maniacs and goes right to Polyester. And I like everything after that, too. I like Hairspray, Crybaby. I love Serial Mom. I love Pecker. I, I didn't really love Cecil B. Demented that much, but I, I still liked it. And I still liked what he had to say. I really just think it's a shame that he didn't get the, you know, I think after Dirty Shame, he was pretty much uh, kind of, I don't know, maybe not blackballed is the right word, but he was pretty much done with making movies. And I think it's a shame because I think he could have made at least two or three more films. But I think, uh, again, a lot of the things that he kind of created in his genre, in his own John Waters-esque way, I think a lot of that stuff's become accepted as normal entertainment now. And I don't know what he would, I don't know what he would say now. That's that's the thing. So maybe that's why he backed away. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, I love the film. Uh, I totally uh, endorse people checking it out or purchasing the Criterion Collection disc. I did listen to the commentary track the other day or a few weeks back, I guess I should say. I went back and watched it a second time listened to the commentary. He's one of the better commentary guys. Uh, one of the things I love about his commentary is he laughs at his own films, uh, which I love. <laughs> I love when somebody laughs at their own movies. Like he And he goes back and looks at it and he's like, can you believe we did this? <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> which I love. I love that he, you know, even he, but it's guerrilla filmmaking, you know, and there was no permits. There was no nothing. There's actually a scene in this film, I believe, where Don Davenport's walking down the street 
and is distraught or whatever, and he wanted reactions from the crowd, kind of a Larry Cohen type thing, and uh, nobody reacted. They were just like, huh, well, that, that's, you know, don't see that every day. <laughs> and they didn't get what they wanted out of it. So. <laughs> but, you know, there was, there, the, I know in, in uh, Multiple Maniacs, there's a scene where that happens too, but you can actually see people in the background realizing that they're shooting a movie, and you can see people kind of hovering, trying to get on camera. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, but but you know, a couple years later, they make they're making the same kind of scenes, and nobody gives a shit. But a few years, a few years before that, everybody's wanting to get on camera, so you can kind of see that people becoming accustomed to seeing things like that. And like nowadays, you could probably go shoot a film on on the sidewalks of New York, and most people would just walk by you. Yep, they probably wouldn't even think Absolutely. twice about it, right? Nope, everybody's on camera in some respect. But all right, I'll kick it over to you, MVT, make or breaks. Alrighty. Uh... Make or break is going to be the nightclub scene, uh, that whole who wants to die for art uh, <laughs> deal. I just I found really yeah I love it. Really kind of really kind of tied it all in, tied it all up. Um, MVT for me is going to be Waters, just for the guts to make films like this at all. Uh, you know how often do we really get the chance to uh, to you know talk about Waters uh, specifically? Uh, so I figure, sure, I'll give it to him on this one. Uh, even though Divine really does, you know, do her her level best, and like I said, I think Ming Stoll really just steals it um, and scores seven point five out of ten. Uh, yeah, I, I dug this one a lot, just nice. like you. So nice, nice. Uh, yeah, my make or break is also the same as yours. Who wants to die for art? That's a great. That's a great moment. Who wants to die for art? Yeah, you know, gotta I, love it. I, I love it to death. I'm gonna give my MVT to this one. I, I agree with you. John Waters is all over this thing, like almost all of his films. So it's almost impossible not to give it to him. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give this one to Divine. I, as 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 being a John Waters fan and seeing just about everything he's done. Uh, the only thing I haven't seen is uh, Eat Your Makeup, one of the uh, earlier films. Um, uh, this is the Divine performance for me. Uh, but I totally agree with you. It is uh, John Waters is easily all over this thing as well. But I'm gonna give this one to Divine. Uh, my score, uh, man, I think this thing's an American classic. I really do. I think this is one of the great films of the seventies and one of the more overlooked films of the seventies, to be honest with you, because mm. of its, uh, transgressive nature and, and what it's saying and stuff. I think a lot of people, and even in some ways it's kind of amateur, uh, filmmaking style. I think it's very important to, uh, movies and, uh, to filmmakers to see something like this. So I'm going to give this one an 8.5 mm-hmm. out of 10. Ooh, my really do love it. And, uh, I'm glad Criterion loves it too. I think this one's better than Multiple Maniacs. I, th- I think the, the, it kind of goes back and forth between what your favorite Waters film is when you start talking. Some, of course, some people love Pink Flamingos, and I can't deny that. But it, it usually kind of comes down between what's your favorite. You know, this Desperate Living, Female Trouble. It's like right in that area that I was talking about. And mm-hmm. I think this is the best film of that early John Waters run. Um, it's the purest and and most complete. So. There we go. All right. We finally got that review done. That's like a weight off of our back for yes. Oh, Jesus, is it ever? <laughs> We've been holding on to that one for a long time. Uh-huh. All right. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and talk a little private eye action. We'll be back right after this. Hey, this is Scott of Married with Clickers. Tune in to hear my wife Kat and me discuss all sorts of movies. We'll cover everything from The Lost Weekend to Weekend at Bernie's. From The Big Sleep to Big Mama's House. Well, maybe not Big Mama's House. And the great thing about Kat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind. And would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for Best Actor that year? For that film? For that film. 
<laughs> but don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show. Oh, it's a husband and wife show, and they discuss movies and stuff. Yeah, a very wife husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libsyn.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help you kill an hour. Hall and Oates, always good to have them back on the show. All right, so <laughs> the uh, next film is Private Eyes. The Private Eyes, we should say that. That is the actual title of the film. Um, 1980, directed by Lang Elliott. So earlier when I said there's a GGTMC-esque tie to this, Lang Elliott actually directed, I believe, the was it the Cage films? Uh, the Lou Ferrigno films? Yeah. Oh Jesus! So, <laughs> he's, he's known for the dwarf. He's known for a lot of dwarf films and uh, the cage. That films. I can understand. <laughs> and actually, it was announced that he's working on Cujo K nine unit joint operations. <laughs> I don't know what. The, what is this? I mean, I got to click on this. You know, is there a new Cujo coming out? I guess there is. Oh wow! I'm thinking this one's probably closer to the book. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. In the. Uh, yeah, but his uh, filmography is the private eyes. Uh, this film, uh, he made a video short called "Dwarf" in the first games of Mount Olympus. Then he made Cage One and Cage Two, and then he hasn't done anything since 1994. <laughs> so, anyway, he is working on uh, Cujo, Cage of the Canine Unit Joint Operations. So, <laughs> very strange filmography to say the least. But anyway, neither here nor there. The uh, as I've said a thousand times on this fucking show. <laughs> Jesus, sorry. I apologize to everybody for saying that a thousand times. Don't worry, Sammy. It's uh, it's neither here nor there. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so The Private Eyes, 1980. Uh, it's a spoof of uh, Sherlock Holmes stories. Finds a, This one finds Inspector Winship and Dr. Tart. Which <laughs> I love that name. I know, they're great names. Uh, investigating a uh, strange death in a possibly haunted mansion while dealing with the beautiful heiress and the crazed staff which live therein it's a pretty good synopsis because that is pretty much what it is and i believe this thing wasn't even shot in england i think they make it out to be england but i believe it was shot in uh, the biltmore hotel or the biltmore uh or somewhere in north carolina <laughs> so oh. the biltmore state yeah that's right actually i just looked it up it is the case this thing made it made 18 million dollars at the box office man did it really yeah it's a bit of a hit there you go uh, 18 million dollars in 1980 that's a good that's a good size hit 
I can't remember if I went to see this in the theater or if I saw it on like HBO. But I know that I I used to watch it like constantly. Yeah, I used to, I got this mixed up. I get this mixed up sometimes because the poster and the supernatural elements with Don Knotts' uh, Ghost of Mr. Chicken. Okay. I get that mixed up sometimes, but of course Tim Conway being the difference, and uh, Conway's all over this. He wrote a good chunk of it, and um, if two actors have better reactions to things than Don Knotts and Tim Conway, I don't know who they are. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, this is reactionary comedy, and the way they yep. react is so that this from the beginning with the time gun. Uh, yep. I mean, the the time gun itself is uh, <laughs> it's a fucking joke that <laughs> that is ridiculous. It shouldn't work. They they harp on it in the beginning. They forget about it for about <laughs> you know through the course of the the time of the movie, they forget about it for a good eight hours or so, and then it comes back to you know comes back around when they need it to. So it's a very odd uh, movie. Uh, I don't know what the word would be. The uh, big guffin, maybe, but mm. it's it's fun either way. Um, and uh, there's a lot of fun anyway. So let me get into it. I'll. I'll uh, I had not seen this in a long time. Todd picked it. Um, yeah, so. but isn't it funny how you know, you know? I'm sure you and I watched this thing constantly, almost uh, as we, when we were kids. But all the details started coming back to me. Yes. Yes, they when are. When I was watching it, like all the stuff in there. Well, I, the first thing I started to remember is I've always loved the, and I still do to this day, I've always loved the Ten Little Indian setup, right? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a quintessential part of the of the mystery uh, that I've always liked. I, I love films like this. I love films where two outsiders come into this world and, you know, people start disappearing one by one. It's one of the oldest uh, plots in, in cinema history, but... It still works for me. Uh, it's the basis of most slasher films, right? It's it's um, just something that I love. I enjoy completely. And uh, this one's kind of a fun, kind of goofy take on it, but it's got some really fun actors in it, too. A lot of fun uh, GGTMC-esque actors, as we like to say. Uh, um, uh, Grace Zabriskie's in here. John Fuki- Fujioka is in here as a Japanese cook who hates yep. chicken. Uh, <laughs> Erwin Keyes, the great Erwin Keyes, is in here. Yep. Uh, Susie Bernard Man. Fox, yeah, who's Bernard like Fox. Uh, he's like Terry Thomas, the lesser. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yes, yes. Uh, like if you couldn't afford Terry Thomas, you would get Bernard Fox. Even yes. though I will say this, I like Bernie Fox uh, a lot of his performances. So yeah, I do, I do as well. It's always fun when he popped up in a film. Mm-hmm. I, I, ooh, I forgot he was in Titanic. He was in Titanic. Um, wow, one of the few people I could think of that would be in Titanic and Yellowbeard. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And uh, yellow beard. Yeah. John Fujioka, uh, very famous uh, character actor. Uh, you've probably seen him in God knows how many films. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. And uh, he's one of those guys, right? Like, I'd say he's of Japanese descent. I'd say he's of character actors. He reminds me of that one guy that has the mullet, the skullet. Uh, you've probably seen him just as much. He's just not as mentioned as much as yeah. that actor is. Well, I- I thought of him as uh, kind of the uh, the Japanese uh, Mako. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So maybe a little less prolific. The the chemistry between Knotts and Conway is the key here. That's the key to any of the films they did together. For some strange reason, or maybe for every reason that is correct, they were just great together. Um, what I like about their characters is they're both dumbasses. Okay, but I like that Don Knotts thinks that he's a little smarter <laughs> than the Tim Conway character, than Dr. Tart. 
but I love that they're both basically idiots. I, yep. fact, I love that scene in the gas station where they stop. And uh, this film exists in a weird world where Conway says, man, look at the price of gas. Ten cents a gallon. Mm. And, uh, and I'm sitting there thinking, they're in England. How does, you know, how does he start to say the price of gas, 10 cents of England? But then you look at the film and clearly that's a land American landmark. It's not English. It's very strange. This is a weird, you know, it's a movie that exists in its own world, which is probably for the better because some of the, the only thing I, I, I found kind of fascinating going back and looking at this is how much of some of this stuff is ripped off of like young Frankenstein and like some of Mel Brooks stuff, like the walk this way uh, scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a couple other, even the uh, the uh, the uh, Frau, basically the Frau character, the Grace Zabriskie character, she's a German house uh, maid. Yeah, uh, finding a dead body that ain't dead. Yeah, so there's there's these kind of young Frankenstein-esque moments, which I found kind of surprising in a revisit, right? So I didn't see young Frankenstein as much as I saw this growing up, because uh, I don't know why. I guess young Frankenstein just didn't get played as much as this did. This was maybe filler for cable, because like you, I saw this a lot growing up, and... So maybe this was just a filler film, maybe something cheap that they could buy and just throw on a lot of Don Knotts type stuff. I used to see a lot growing up, and um, the maybe Young Frankenstein was considered more of an art piece. I don't know, but either way, I didn't see the Young Frankenstein as much influence as much until now. Really, the the comedy's pretty broad. Uh, we we should say that, but if you like Conway and Knotts, I think you'll be okay with that. Yeah, well, it's 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 definitely not above the cruder humor, like you know, a need of the balls or you know, the yeah. maids jugs and. Uh, yeah, I love the squeaky noise the maids jugs make when they stick yeah. the car through. It. It's like, <laughs> like cutting glass or something. I'm like, my name is Hilda, the most Cockney maid ever. Yeah. Reminds me of Will's English impersonation. If you go back and listen to some shows he's done. All right, like there, governor. He caught you, governor. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, so the characters are all kind of broad, right? They got the Japanese character who carries around a samurai sword because why not? Uh, while wearing traditional Japanese clothing, uh, you got the Cockney maid with the breast. You got yeah. Bernard Fox, who's the who's the kind of his his character is a lot of fun because if you say the word murder in front of him, he kind of loses his cool. Oh yeah, uh, to a level that's like you know. <laughs> ridiculous and he gets hit in the nuts a lot so there's a lot of that and gets his <laughs> a lot of comedic uh, a lot of physical comedy from him um and then uh what I, I think i what i like about so tim conway and don Knotts kind of like a modern day at least by this era kind of a modern abbott and costello really in a way because a little bit you got the one of the pair that seems to see things that are actually going on and the other one that's kind of oblivious to it mm-hmm. uh not so much straight man humor like you know don Knotts playing the maybe the the abbott uh character uh super straight because like i said don Knotts is pretty broad in this as well there's a really great scene where he drinks a buzzard pus (laughs) which uh (laughs) you know i i here's one of those things about you know we were saying about remembering this stuff is i would have sworn up and down that in that scene when when she says to him you know oh by the way it's made out of buzzard pus i would have sworn that right after his spit take he uh, he, kind of bugged his eyes out and went buzzard pus, but yeah. he didn't he didn't do that at all. Yeah, I know. And I was like, damn it, that was the one time my memory failed me on yeah. this movie. He uh, he does do the famous Don Knotts. I, the one thing Don Knotts I love his timing with the sniff. Oh yeah, is, is, <laughs> has always been a critical part of his acting. His uh, 
you know, uh, yeah, see, I told you I'm great type sniff that he yep. created kind of with the Barney Fife character and he carried throughout his career was just genius. Uh, I mean, it just the way he curled up one side of his lip and did it. Yeah, yeah, we, we saw that all along. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, the, but anyway, go back to that gas station scene. They're like, you're the two idiots that did this. And they're just kind of like yeah. smiling and stuff. And I love that he, the one guy's quote-unquote deaf. They sign an autograph and he crumples it up. And Don Knotts' reaction to him crumpling it up is classic Don Knotts. You know, like, all right, well, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> but Tim Conway's kind of goofy look. And the fact that he brings up this wukalar all the time. Oh, I love the Wookalar. Yeah, the Wookalar is great, you know, and it's a shame that there was a planned sequel to this film with them chasing down a Wookalar. I do know that. I went back and looked at some trivia, did a little research on the film, which I want to do, and uh, to find out that they were planning on making a sequel. They just never got around to it or just never, it never worked out, but they were going to do it where they basically were going up against the Wookalar, which, you know, not to give away too much or spoilers or anything, but the Wookalar does make an appearance, uh, which mm-hmm. is great. Uh, very much a six million dollar man Bigfoot vibe I got from the Wookalar. Uh, I I always think of I always thought of the uh, the Boar Man from uh, the nineteen seventy seven Island of Doctor Moreau. Oh yeah, that is yeah. That might actually be the same makeup. <laughs> I would not bat an eye if yeah. it was because I covered the seventy seven Doctor Moreau with I think Roop or somebody on this show, and I or maybe no, it was Scott with Mary Clickers. Uh, oh, conveniently enough, we just played their uh, promo, and uh, yeah, I think it was Scott with him. Me and him did uh, Doctor Moreau, and that is that's that's the uh, Burt Lancaster one, right? The seventy-seven yes. one, yes. Yep, Burt Lancaster. That's uh, that one, yeah. The uh, yeah, that, that man. I'd have to go back and look at that, but I think you might be dead on. I think it might be the exact same makeup. <laughs> it, if not, it is really similar. Yeah, it's damn close. Mm-hmm. Um, well, except for the the super curly hair. Yeah. The uh, the fact that uh, the Dr. Tart character is even a doctor of any sort is insane to me. Uh, I don't know what he's a doctor <laughs> Might be of. an honorary. <laughs> it might be an honorary degree, correct? Yeah. Um, but Conway was... So when I was growing up, Tim Conway was one of my favorite comedians because he did dumb better than anybody when I was a kid. At least I thought that. Uh, you know, he, he often played the dullard or the dummy or something like that. My The Carol Burnett show was a big deal in my grandmother's house. Uh, he was a big deal. They all loved him. Uh, and I always thought he was really funny. Um, well, he did dumb smarter than just about anybody else. Yes. Yes. Uh, Don Knotts did as well, but I don't know, Tim Conway, there's these looks he gives that are <laughs> slightly <laughs> cross-eyed, uh, mm-hmm. slightly oblivious, and he just does it really well. And, uh, yeah, them two, these two together, like I said, I, I could watch a whole movie. I could probably watch a whole movie of these two just riding in that car together and, <laughs> and I would probably be just fine. Um, this is, you know, like I said, there's a supernatural element to this film. Um, like I said, a 10, 10 little Indians vibe, definitely a whodunit mystery type thing. Some silly stunts. It's, it's very, it's a very normal film in a lot of ways, but it looks really nice. I got to say, yeah, the, they, this film has been, I don't know if it's preserved, but it certainly is. There's no wear and tear on this movie. No, Uh, no, no. This thing looks really good still to this day. The production well, value is there. Yeah, it's not the most stylish thing in the world, no, but it no, uses no, no. It, it uses the visual cliches of the whole gothic mystery, uh, you know, genre subgenre well enough. Um, but you know, it's like it's like we're we're kind of getting around here. Uh, I I think it's a good spoof because, and like all good spoofs. Uh, you know, it they're good or bad because they're they're either are or are not 
a good example of the type of film that they're spoofing. And I think that this is a good example of that. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It does. It makes total sense. And like in order for them to be successful, they have to be, actually be what they're spoofing. Yeah. So one of the things I enjoy the most about this film, and it's a little thing, there's little comedic moments where they, they talk to each other, where I chuckled quite often watching this thing again. But one of the things I love the most is the the bad limerick-type uh, pun yeah. of the killer. The non-rhyming rhymes. Non-rhyming rhymes. Well, they rhyme all the way up to the end, and then yeah. every time Tim Conway gives a look of, yeah, something's not right. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> but, you know, the one the one does rhyme, and that's uh, the one about the maid. Yeah, that's crazy. That the One of them does, and it's like it throws you off, and it's like, I don't know what they were going for by making the one. Uh, well, you, I, you almost kind of think to yourself, "Ah, oh, they made a mistake. They yeah, screwed up." Yeah, but I'll just I'll just read one, just to kind of have fun. Uh, here, here, <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll pull it off IMDb here. So I didn't write this down. I'm just gonna pull it off IMDb. So this is one of the ones that is read. I said when I died that I'd come back. If you believe in ghosts, you're on the right track. I'm out of the grave and roaming the moors. If you want to be safe, you better lock all the windows and screens. <laughs> so. <laughs> What, what I like, on, about, <laughs> yeah. What I like about it is it leads you to the rhyme, right? Like you're conditioned to hear the rhyme before it even gets there, but then it gets right to those last moments, and it's like, yeah, fuck you, we're not going to rhyme it. <laughs> it's like so bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. But the one that does rhyme is Hilda is dead. Here's something to note: you can bury her at sea because her bosoms will float. <laughs> yep. And I don't know why that one decides to rhyme outside of the fact that it's talking about her bosoms. Uh, that might be it. That might be the rain reason, right? So, but one of my favorite lines in the whole film, and I think it's comedic genius. I just think it's comedic genius writing. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know what. But at one point, Don Knotts says, "You know, for a short person, you have long sentences." <laughs> <laughs> and that should be kind of an in a nutshell. That's the kind of comedy this is. Uh, you know, yep. Yep. there's a great scene with Don Knotts sitting on a couch and like, yeah. Oh, I need something. That buzzard pus is backing up on me. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? It's like, backing up. Yeah. So here's another one. I got to read this one, too. If Jock could talk, he'd give you a clue. But now that he's dead, what can you do? He deserved what he got. I don't regret it a bit. By the way, you're standing in bull caca. Which is <laughs> <laughs> just, just classic. So, so there's, there's a lot of moments like that. And... Uh, <laughs> little lines we must be living near we must be near a bowling alley uh <laughs> when, a, when a bomb when a bomb comes the other way or something like, yeah <laughs> so stupid it's it just it's just little moments like that and then you know like uh, there's that one uh, moment with the japanese actor where he says ah so and don Nuts goes hey what'd you call me what'd you call me <laughs> yeah what'd you call me uh it's just <laughs> it's little moments like that but it, it, it basically it's just taken don Knotts and tim conway their sense of humor their chemistry it's just taken that gym and sticking it in the middle of a very standard story and it works it works it's like a lot of buddy comedies in the sense that you know like terrence hill bud spencer movies or Abbott and costello movies which we've talked about we will be have talked about on the show but which i just referred to earlier uh even the road movies the bing and crosby thing or bing and crosby <laughs> that, that would be the same person the crosby hope films yeah the bing and crosby <laughs> <laughs> yada 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 the uh you know it, i miss that era of filmmaking i, I don't yes. really i think they, they try to come back to it every now and then and try to get a, a, a couple guys together and hope i mean vince vaughn owen wilson um 
I don't know. There's there, there's been a, there's been a few attempts at this over the past uh, decades. Well, I was thinking I, when when I, when I was watching this, uh, I was thinking to myself that you know you you'd probably the, yeah the, maybe the closest comparison to something like this would be like along the lines of what they were trying to do with like that not another teen movie kind of deals. Yeah, yeah. And and to to my mind and and I'm gonna be you know perfectly forthright here. I have not seen that movie. Uh, or any of the like uh, the modern spoof uh, films. Yeah. The yeah yeah because it's just I I don't think they quite have it. Well, like, it, uh, it's, like these yeah, things. Did. It's a generational thing. I can tell you. Because, I'm sure that's part of it too. Because I'm my, sure that's part of it yeah, too. My oh, brother. The love of there we go. The phone's ringing. Do you need to take Actually. that? You need to take that call. Yeah. Hold on one second. All right, I'll keep vamping. <laughs> that's what we call it here in the podcast world. So, one of the the big stars of this film is the Biltmore Estate. Uh, a big chunk of this movie is taken up inside, and I believe shot inside of of this uh, wonderful estate. And uh, that's that's part, at least most of it. I wouldn't say there's there's some behind the scenes stuff that felt like it was shot on the studio, and uh, quite a few moments like that where you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is this old English castle, but it's not. So, but it is one of the big stars of the film, I think, the uh, location itself, and you know. <sighs> I think you know everybody's going to get different, different a different amount of uh, mileage out of this type of comedy, and this goes all the way back to the very first episode we did of the GGTMC when we talked about uh, they call me Trinity, and you know the Bud Spencer Terrence Hill films, and we even talked about a Bud Spencer Terrence Hill film not too long ago, and a lot of what you're going to get out of these kind of movies depends on your love of Don Knotts and Tim Conway. Maybe even one or the other. Maybe not both of them together. So I don't know. It's really hard to review a film like this. I can tell you I enjoy this movie quite a bit. But comedy is so subjective that for me to tell you you will laugh your ass off of this movie, that would be an incorrect statement. Uh, The best thing I can tell you is I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's a lot of fun. It's a very simple premise, basically harping on the Sherlock Holmes thing. I like films that take a step away from the Sherlock Holmes uh, aesthetic and kind of uh, make fun of it. Um, some of my earliest reading experiences were the Sherlock Holmes film uh, stories. So it's always been something I can relate to, uh, and I like when they do it. I mean, I'm even interested in seeing the the newer... I saw a preview the other day for the uh, John C. Riley uh, Will Ferrell, Sherlock Holmes thing. And even then, I'm still interested, even though I don't know that'll be too long and I won't laugh at it as much. It's the whole idea of parodying, uh, sorry for the loud P on that, parodying that, uh, that, that genre that I like, because I think it's a genre. Because Holmes has always been a brilliant character, it's a great, it's a great genre to make fun of, because he's kind of uh, unstoppable. Uh, oh, I just looked through the trivia and it says the secret passages featured in the film actually exist in the Biltmore Mansion. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't know that. <laughs> so evidently, this film was made. So we talked about the budget a little while earlier, or the uh, gross. It was made for two point three million. So it made eighteen million. So judge from one of the trivia facts on here, I was looking through while we were on a bit of a hiatus there for a second. This was the most successful New World film at the box of at the box office under Cor- Robert Roger Corman's uh, tenure. Isn't that crazy? Jeez. Yeah, it is a little bit. I, wouldn't, I never would have even thought that. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, well, it made nine times its budget. I mean. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. So I, I, I'm amazed that a sequel wasn't made. 
I really am. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, that's amazing to me. You, you, you'd almost have to think that that would be more on uh, on something to do with. Um, I almost said Conway and and uh, uh, Twitty, but it's not Conway and Twitty. It's Conway and <laughs> that's Knox. Like, that's like uh, being in Crosby, right? Conway and Twitty. <laughs> it is. We get our uh, we get our road movie crews uh, mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> Ruben but- James. <laughs> Hello, darling. Yeah. It's been a long time. Never mind. Yeah. Love those Conway and Twitty films. <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, I, I talked about the. Uh, that's pretty much all I got. I mean, I really don't have a whole lot more to add. I, I will say that um, if you watch the film and revisit, and I mean, I hadn't seen this thing in Jesus twenty years. Oh yeah. Uh, and hang on, I got to sneeze. Here we go. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Woo. Nice. Oh, yeah. oh, man, sorry guys. Bless you. Yeah, I know that there's been some reviews on iTunes about our show and about how we don't cut out the chewing and things like that. <laughs> for that, for that person that's probably still that's listens half- to the show, there's a sneeze for you. That's half the charm. Yeah, half the charm. There's my sneeze. At least I didn't do it into the mic. Anyway, um, what was I getting ready to say? Fuck, I can't remember what I was getting ready to say. Shit. Uh, <laughs> Uh, who cares? I'll, I'll kick it over to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I was going to talk about how if you if you if you go back and look at this film, there's a lot of subtle giveaways on who the quote unquote killer is in the film. Well, it's right, it's right there up front in the. Uh, yeah. I'll you know I won't I won't say what yeah I'm yeah say. right right you can't really say it but yeah uh, if you watch the film the first time if you're if you're any kind of uh, genre enthusiast you're going to figure it out either way pretty quickly. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. not it's not a secret. Like you know, obviously I had seen it before, so within ten minutes I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but the first even the first even as a kid uh, seeing it, eight or nine, ten years old, whatever I was, even as a kid seeing this film on cable a lot, uh, I remember. Oh, I know what else I was going to say. Evidently, there's a commentary track out there somewhere where Don Knotts is on it. I wonder if that's on the DVD or something. I'm going to have to look this up because if so, I'm going to buy this fucking thing. Uh, hell yeah! I got. I'm gonna look into that while you talk about private eyes. Ooh. Uh. So yeah. Uh, like we were saying, or like I was saying, uh, how it's a decent example of the type of film spoofing. The it has the classic dark and stormy night opening, uh, and it's pretty much serious up until you hit the credits. Um, but then once you hit the credits, you know it's those cartoon credits like Pink Panther uh, kind of deal, and it's even got like a Pink Panthery kind of theme song. Um. So that's uh, you know just something that you you really don't see anymore. I can't remember the last time I saw uh, credits that were animated um, that wasn't in an actual animated film. Uh, it's been a long, long time. Um, I recall Trisha Noble uh, being one of my earlier memories of uh, of pre-puberty slash puberty. Uh, and this movie, watching it again, I really, you know, I remember why, yeah. uh, it was so, uh, influential, yeah, yeah. uh, to me back yeah, then. She's a, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a fan. She is a stunning lady so and movie. she, uh, she is not afraid to, you know, give you a little, give you a little tease there. The Blu-ray release has a commentary, but it's actually Tim Conway and Lang Elliott still might be worth a purchase. Oh God! Yeah, I would imagine. Something. How would you not want? How could you not want to listen to Conway talk about this thing? Yeah, so I'm going to add that to my wish list. Little, uh, little, uh, you know, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't even know there was a Blu-ray. I guess that makes sense because this transfer. Yeah, it only just came out fairly recently. Mm, nice. So, um, let's see here. Uh, 
the drunk gypsy guy, Tibbet. Uh, he's very Jack Alium uh, kind of guy. <laughs> it was kind of ugly, bulging, greasy, you know, creviced sort of uh, look to him. Yes. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, then you, you were talking about the, uh, the butler and the German lady, uh, the nanny, I believe it was. Uh, the relationship between the two of those is just great. Uh, watching him and always in the background with him, her like beating him up and all this kind of thing, and him losing his shit. Um, this is the kind of mansion that has the most convenient secret compartments imaginable. Yeah, like no. wherever <laughs> a hand can, you know, all of a sudden just kind of dart out and put like a stick of dynamite or something somewhere, it will. Um, and let's see what else. <laughs> Uh, I have still to this day never heard horseshit called horse nears. No, I'm, I don't know. So I don't know. I, that to this day, from the the first time I saw this to through to today, I have never heard it called that. I don't know if that's like a, a particular uh, colloquialism for some other country or something or some you know region, but I've never heard it ever. Yeah. Horse, have you? You have? No, I have not. Horse, horse apples is what I've always heard. I've heard horse apples, uh, horse fritters. Uh, you know, I'm gonna look. I up, heard a few of them, but I'm gonna look up uh, slang for horse manure. <laughs> and you'll see uh, what's his face keys uh, <laughs> yeah. standing there with no tongue. Horn news. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's uh, it's nicely paced, uh, you know, and there's minimum of one decent laugh per scene in it which you know coming from a comedy is <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what you're you're looking for um and outside of that i mean i really don't have anything else to add to this we've pretty much gone over everything that this film does i think it works uh very very well uh and uh, you know conway and uh and not i keep wanting to say twitty uh <laughs> really just you know they work uh, they work together fantastically uh, and the, the the movie just rolls along it it you know hits all the spots it has all the little little elements uh the you know the uh, the shadows and the the person skulking around in the the robe and all of that sort of thing the the interesting deaths like people seem to have their legs pretty much put up almost over their heads uh in every murder that happens in the film uh which I get a kick out of so all I can uh, find, all I can find on horse manure, breaking okay. breaking news, got to break in. Wait, I got, wait, I got, I got my pen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, horse buns, which I've never, <laughs> I've never heard. Does, does, does the horse's <laughs> anaconda not want none? <laughs> yeah, horse buns. Unless it's got horse buns on. Uh, yeah, horse apples, right? Yeah, we talked about that road apples, which is the other one I've heard. Horse pucky, yeah. uh, horse chips, and horse hooey. So I've not heard any of the other one. Huh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know where that comes from. So I have no idea. None. Uh, so, yeah, kick it over to you, sir. Cow pies. <laughs> <laughs> cow patties. I've stepped in a few cow pies in my day, let me tell you. Ooh. Yep. No good. No good. Especially when they're dry on top, but creamy in the middle. Oh, come on. That's, <laughs> oh. You're walking by and you're like, oh, this, oh shit. Oh, that's not going to be that bad. Oh, it was even yeah, worse than I thought. Yeah, and then you just, you just sink. It you ex- sink into it and you're like, that's going to be me fucking yeah. with a toothpick, and digging it, it out of the fucking soles. Yeah, it explodes like everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anybody walking next to you, like I can remember stepping on one one time with my brother and thinking, oh, that's a dry one. It's not going to be that bad. Uh, you know, <laughs> stepped on it and squirted all of my brother's leg. Nice and warm in that hot mm. Kentucky sun. Mm. There's only two things that matter in hot Kentucky, and that's cow shit 
and sweaty balls. There we go. Uh, I don't know why. Two great that, tastes. I don't know why that. <laughs> yeah, it's like past blue ribbon or something. <laughs> uh, I don't know why that even brought that up. It's very bizarre. All right, so my um, make or break for this film. Hmm. Well, that's pretty difficult. There's a lot of fun scenes in the movie. But I do, uh, I tell you what, I, I'll go with the, the gas station scene because if you can get behind that, I think you can get behind the whole movie. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So I'll call it a make or break scene because of that. And it's probably one of my favorite moments in the movie. Uh, I like the cigar sitting on top of the thing and what that leads to and yeah. the deaf character and how that plays. And I like the all that oil, stuff. The oil uh, <laughs> funnel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like all that stuff. It's fun. Um <laughs> So stupid. Uh, the, my MVT for the film, this is pretty easy. I be, it's basically the camaraderie between Knotts and Conway. I mean, that's really the key. I know it's usually supposed to be one thing, but then in this case, and I think in a lot of cases with comedy duos, it kind of comes down to that, right? It kind of comes down to does the duo work? And I think they do. I think they're a lot of fun together. Um, the cast itself altogether is fun, but uh, they're they're good. Uh, my score for the film, a solid seven out of 10. I, I like this movie. It's a per it's, I wouldn't, you know, while you were on the phone, I, I was telling everybody that it's hard for me to, with comedies, I think it's hard to recommend that you'll love it because yeah, everybody's yeah. sense of comedy is different, but I'll just say for me, this film has always worked knots and Conway works and you kind of got to take that for what it is. Cause similar to like a Hill and Spencer film or something yeah. like that, there's, just something about Knots and Conway to me that works. Uh, the film looks great. It's a lot of fun. And it's very breezy, right? Um, yep. It's a very breezy kind of fun 90 minutes. Um, and it was nice to kind of go back. And like you said, there's no real style to the movie or nothing like that. It's basically just kind of aping, um, I don't know, mid-70s, maybe mid-60s kind of whodunits. Nothing fancy, but there's no director flourishes or anything. But the story's fun. Uh, it's kind of fun to see what these characters get up to. And the, the cast is fun, so it was a nice, fun film to watch, revisit. Cool, cool. Uh, make or break for me, yeah. I was kind of floating around, um, floating around that that opening scene at the gas station uh, as well, because exactly for the reason that you said, um, because and also because you know it, it, it really is difficult to pinpoint any one particular scene that stands out uh, among so many good ones in here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh so i'm gonna go to the exact opposite end and say it's the uh for me it's the finale uh yeah. because it plays nicely with uh, both the gothic and comedy elements especially yeah. when uh they get to the uh, the garden there uh, <laughs> with uh, with a certain character and a certain thing that happens so and uh, MVT, yeah, I mean it's it's Conway and uh, and, uh, and Knotts. Um, <laughs> it's Conway and Knotts and the uh, the the special sort of bond that they have uh, on screen that really just it it works fantastically. I think yeah. I, I agree with you that you know uh, these things are this is even more than um, even more than other genres, much more subjective. Uh, but I'm going to go, uh, higher than you. And surprisingly, I, 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 it's, I surprised myself with how high I went on this one. I'm going eight out of 10. Nice. Nice. Uh, I, I just really, man, I fell back in love with this thing, uh, all over again. And I think it's, it's just great. Uh, so much fun. Not that it's, you know, the, the, I mean, come on, it ain't Citizen Kane, but you know, it's, it's pretty damn fun. It's, you know, it just, it just plays, it plays, like you said, uh, you know, breezy, nice, smooth and Trisha Noble. So there. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's like uh, good junk food, right? I mean, sometimes you just, 
And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a positive way. It's nice to kind of go back and revisit something and fall in love with it all over again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you was to really, if I was to really sit down and talk about my 10 favorite films of all time, they would not all be Academy Award winners, let me tell you. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, I mean, the ones I watched over and over and over again were never that. So that's just, you know, that's the reality. Oh, I was looking at some stuff here uh, that's coming to, I didn't know they were making a, a boys TV show, the Garth Ennis. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, who's uh, Carl Urban, I think, is uh, one of the leads. Yeah, I Isn't think that? so. That's coming out uh, next year. I think that's Amazon. Yeah, it is Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I never read the boys. Well, that's pretty good. Some of it's is pretty it? good. Yeah. Was that that was Ennis, right? Yeah, it's Ennis. So you know, and uh, Derek Derek Robertson. No, uh, I can't remember who the artist was, but it was Ennis. And so, if you know Ennis, and when he goes full tilt, Ennis, it's oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's full tilt Ennis. <laughs> <laughs> I loved his Just a Pilgrim. I thought that was really good. Yeah, I still love a lot of the stuff he does. He's got something, uh, Walk Through Hell, that I've been reading. Really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, uh, uh, he's, he's a good writer, no, no doubt. I always get him confused with Ellis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But only in name. There we go. They're our, completely different. Our comic bookery is coming out in us again. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, watch out. <laughs> All right, so that is the big show. Hopefully we'll be back next week with our uh, uh, long-awaited Mandy 2 episode. Yes. Um, looking forward to talking about the the Manitou and uh, Mandy um, next week. So, not really much else to say. Um, if you like comic books, uh, we're your guys. We, we yep. <laughs> Everything else, yeah. Yeah, movies. We don't know anything about that shit. Yeah, but, a little bit. <laughs> but I can, you know, I can talk about comic books all day. No, but either uh, the, neither here nor there, as I would say. Got to get that in one more time. Uh, we'll. <laughs> Should be back that mustache riding uh, or you know convention, you know. Yeah, I'm sure you all the, good things. Yeah, him and Conway and Twitty, they should be all good to go. There. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully that's what we'll do next mustache week. Mustache rides. <laughs> yeah. So with that, I will bid us adieu and say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at gggtmc.com, and you can email the gentleman. Midnight Cinema at gmail.com. 